0: Off the woman's eyes took for my child to be born. I see through a woman's eyes I took for these natural twins to believe in miracles. Took me too long for this song. I don't deserve you I harass you out in Paris. Please come back to Rome. You
1: make it home. We talked for hours when you were on talk. Please pick up the phone. Pick up oh, the phone. Oh, what is said, this beautiful sound in our ears? Not only is it in my voice here, it's uh. <laughs> Something that TJ is going to tell you about. What is up? We got episode 135 of DFS MVP. Before we get started, TJ, tell us about the music. Brought it in with a
0: Jay-Z, not a classic Jay-Z, a newer Jay-Z, but one that uh, it's it was made for us. The song is 4 for 4 from the album 4 for 4, and the only reason we never had it on before is because Jay-Z wasn't on Spotify for so long. But now he is, and if you want to listen to that song along with all of the other DFS MVP intro songs, you can go to the Spotify playlist, just search DFS. SMVP in Spotify, or check it out on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting out the link to the playlist along with the podcast. Uh, This week, like always, we're going to be talking about our favorite Plays in week two for our theory segment. We're going to be talking about early season GPP trends. If you haven't signed up for the DFS subscription at four for four yet, you can do so and get 25% off that sub by using the code DFSMVP. Uh, we gave you guys access to free content last week. Everything's going to be behind the paywall this week. Uh, we added a Discord channel this year, so that's been a lot of fun. I've been interacting uh, with all of our DFS subs and, and uh, just talking about lineups talking about strategy so that's awesome and if you like the podcast you can rate and review on itunes if you give us a five-star review your name will be entered in to win some four for four dfs mvp swag this week funk gill left us a nice five-star review. Excited to have us back. We're excited to have you, Funk Gil. Uh, Hit me up on Twitter, at TJ Hernandez, and I'll get you, Funk Gil, the details on how to get hooked up with your 444 DFS MVP swag.
1: Thanks, Funk Gil. Appreciate it, man. And I think we have 44,000 followers. So we're going to have 44,000. Beautiful. We're going to have 44.4, probably within the next week or so. I'm going to win $44,000 this week. Good. I'm going to go war- win $44 trillion. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we do, dude, listeners. Because if you've been listening to us, you know what we do. We do awesomeness. A few of our core plays, every position. Really, they're TJ's core plays. I got, I got my own opinion, but these are TJ's plays. It's for the main slate. We have a theory segment after that. And for today's theory, we're going to touch on early season contrarian trends and how to exploit those tendencies this week. Ooh, I like that one. I like that a lot. It's a a fun one. It is a real fun one. It's juicy. I like trends. So um, you don't have the quarterback... On here that is just staring me right in the face.
0: Yeah, I'm. Sure, I think I know who it is, but I can't give away the house. So, okay. You know, there, okay. There's more.
1: There, there's always
0: more than the plays we give here. Um, you know, we do have to leave a little something to the imagination mm-hmm. for the subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, these aren't. I mean, these are value plays that. We're in agreement on four for four across FanDuel and DraftKings. You have to remember, we're doing um, both sites in this podcast. But yeah, there, they're, I think I know who the other guy you're talking about is. But, but
1: I, we got two really good ones here. If you're a subscriber, you'll know who that is. Yeah, for sure. It's as simple as that. So I recommend <laughs> it. Um, so let's start with the guy taking on the Falcons this week. It was yep. Russ Wilson last week and Stack Prescott this week. 8,300 FanDuel, 68 DK. Um, good. I hope everybody saw Sunday Night Football and now thinks Dak Prescott stinks. Please that do that.
0: That is a very, very bad opinion to have because yes. this offense is loaded from top to bottom. Uh, arguably the best three wide receiver core in the league. Uh, top three running back in the league. Probably a top three quarterback in the league. A very good offensive line. And every year uh, we have one or two teams at each position or with each offense that you're, you're just targeting week in and week out. Atlanta's going to be that defense that you're targeting with a passing game every single week. Uh, Their secondary is horrible. They don't get much of a pass rush um, and they throw at an extremely high rate. So even if their defense tries to have a decent game, their offense is working at such an um umtipo pace and putting up points so fast themselves. Their defense gets back on the field pretty quick, so uh, this team's set up just to be shootout week after week. Dallas is favored this week. Uh, Home and away is important when it comes to the positions like quarterback, like running back, pretty much everything except for wide receiver. It's kind of um, a moot point this year, I think, with no fans. Uh, I, I guess we'll see if there's any trend, but my guess is we're just looking way more at point spreads this year than home and away, but Dallas is at home, 4.5-point favorite, a really nice implied point total, 28.5. We always want our quarterback to be in a script where they could put up a lot of points. Uh, like you said, we saw Russ go ham last week, 322-4, added 30 on the ground. That's always a nice bonus. Goes underrated because that's almost a passing touchdown's worth of fantasy points. Um, I, I think this is just a game you're targeting top to bottom. Uh, usually we start off the show by talking about Lamar CMC. Like, I don't even think you need to think about paying up for them this week because players like Dak are in such perfect spots to just go bonkers. Uh, that what's the point of paying the extra $1,000 or $1,500, whatever
1: site you're on. I, I just don't think you need to do it. So the best point I have heard from a fantasy analyst so far this week is that they should probably that players might want to look gallop's way instead of lamb. Oh yeah. I don't know who said that, but whoever, per, whichever person that said that, was the guy that actually uh, really got me deep in my thought process. So
0: it sounds like something I saw on Twitter today.
1: Yes, you tweeted it yourself. Right. That's it. That's what I, it I think I that remember. that is I a magnificent strategy to have this week so yeah well i mean
0: we'll actually get into the like that specific topic Mm -hmm. we'll get into um actually in the theory segment today
1: yeah but i'm I'm telling you i really like that uh josh allen 8200 Fanduel, 6700 dk at miami uh what you should do is start josh allen and the miami defense because josh allen fumbled twice last week and they had two interceptions dropped but he also had a really good game so yep. I think you're going to pay just about mid salary for uh, defense there. That's your play this week, isn't it, TJ? Um,
0: on on DraftKings, it's definitely viable. Um, don't I do it in cash. Don't. I. I mean, it. What? It's it's ninety nine point nine percent of the time not the thing you want to do in cash. Um, it actually worked last week if you were on Boston Scott and hedged with Washington. I'm not a fan of hedging. Um, I mean the the Idea of paying all the way down, especially on DraftKings on in, on defense, is that like, even if your your defense doesn't have a, a good real game, even if they lose, if they can pile up the sacks and get a couple turnovers, they're going to score enough that it's going to justify you getting all the way up. Um, so Miami is actually a defense that pops on our lineup generator, but. Um, I think Josh Allen is in another go-bonker spot like he was last week. If he doesn't lose those two fumbles, he's not only the QB1, he's the high scorer on the week outpacing Josh Jacobs, and that doesn't even account for the fact that he had that gross overthrow of John Brown. He could have had a like monster. He could have put up a 40 spot last week if he plays clean. Uh, Josh Allen isn't the guy that's going to play clean every week, but he's going to put up monster numbers in this offense. We saw it last week like we've been predicting all offseason at 4 for 4 Josh Allen, we know he has the rushing upside. It was just, can he put it all together? And he set career highs in yards. He set career highs in rush attempts. It didn't matter that he wasn't even throwing deep. He was rushing so much and being so efficient throwing the ball that it uh, it, it offset the couple huge mistakes he made, it, not even including the fumbles, like the throwing mistakes. Still able to run 14 times. And the Buffalo offense, I mean, hat tip to Brian DeBall. He's... I. I was impressed with what he was doing last year. He put on a master class last week. I mean, granted, it was against the Jets, and I think that's another defense like Atlanta that we're going to be targeting targeting every week, but we just saw a Buffalo offense that was not the same as it was last year. Last year, they were slow. They ran a lot. They were protecting Josh Allen, and when they threw, they threw it deep. They came out. They were moving the ball quickly. They had the sixth-fastest neutral neutral pace in the league. They threw 62% of the time in neutral game script, which it wasn't neutral very long because they were smoking the Jets, Uh, and Stephon Diggs and John Brown, he was hitting Diggs on these quick passes to step drops hitting uh running backs on screen passes we didn't see them do any of that last year so this offense is i'm i'm so excited about buffalo this year and i know it's been like coming off as kind of like tongue-in-cheek and fanboy this offseason but it's serious like this offense is going to win a lot of people a lot of money and they're still not going to get the the ownership that we saw on the mar last year and and the ravens maybe by week five or six that'll happen but early in the season i don't see it miami uh Cam put up 75-2 and two on the ground last week versus Miami. Uh, one thing that was really interesting and, and part of the reason that Cam was able to have success, Miami played man coverage on 82% of their plays in Week 1. That was up from 51% in 2019. So you, when you have a quarterback like Cam, when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, when those DBs backs are turned chasing the receivers as Miami secondary is going to be doing against this Buffalo team, Pull it down, run as far and as long as you want. If you're the quarterback, and then when you have a guy like Diggs, try try manning him up. He's going to smoke you. So is John Brown. John Brown dealing with the foot injury, but uh, that we we wait and
1: see on his status. It's it's early in the week. All right, so we go to the running back position now. Uh, this is this again. Stares you right in the face. And yeah, man. Both. I'm just to throw both of them. Derrick Henry. Ezekiel Elliott, Uh, Derek Henry's just a little bit cheaper, uh, $300 less on both sites. He's 8,300 FanDuel, 7,900 DK. They're taking on Jacksonville. And then Zeke is 8,600 and 8,200 on DK. And they're taking on Atlanta. So, again, it stares you right in the face. What's the logic behind it? Uh, Usually we are giving
0: you a couple different pricing tiers at each position on DFS MVP just because we want to give you options we want to help you like at least approach building a lineup Um, this week it's just I'm hitting the lock button on these two guys in cash games my priority are to lock Henry to lock Zeke and figure it all out uh, the rest of the way even with the two quarterbacks I mentioned who are priced up uh, they're not priced up so far that you can't afford one of the quarterbacks I mentioned and both of these running backs in a cash lineup. Uh, it's it's very doable. Uh, Henry in an absolute go bonkers spot like the quarterbacks we talked about. Tennessee, huge favorite this week, favored by nine points. Uh, Derrick Henry has if, – if he played against the Jaguars every week, he would be the greatest running back of all time because he just destroys Jacksonville, and Jacksonville uh, – really bad against running backs last year. They started right where they left off in week one. The Colts scored the third most uh, running back points, cumulative running back fantasy points in week one. A lot of that, people will say, well, that was through the air. That was with Naheem Hines. Um, both, uh, And then Jonathan Taylor, he had six uh, catches on six targets himself. That's not what Derrick Henry does. Well, Derrick Henry ran 20 pass routes last week. He only saw three targets. He did get pulled um, on a lot of third downs on Monday night. But 20 pass routes is nothing to sneeze at. For reference, Alvin Kamara ran 23 routes last week. Uh, so, if they need Henry to, to catch the ball against Jacksonville, I was low on Henry uh, in, in season long. And I, I faded him for a lot of guys in best balls because of his catching uh, downside, lack of upside. And I, I think I'm probably going to end up taking an L on that one. I, I think Henry... He's not going to be a a, a five- or six-catch guy, but um, I think he might turn into a three-catch-per-game guy this year, and that's that's enough with how good he is to get it done. Even if he doesn't catch the ball a lot, 54% of the team touches last week. Uh, that is a number that is untouchable. Usually the top one or two guys are right around 50%. I think Henry will stay there in terms of team touches this year and definitely this
1: week with a really good games group. Hmm. Yeah, Zeke and, and Henry standing out there big time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, CMC, yeah. he's 10K. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I don't know that... Um, I mean, for the first time, and I can't even remember when we have CMC, like, despite his salary, usually we have him as the top value on FanDuel. He's, like, barely a f- top 15 running back value this week as as far as our projection versus salary go. Um, it doesn't mean he's not viable. Like, he's the most he, he's going to see the biggest workload of any running back in the league, at least in terms of, of touch share. But, uh, but Carolina's is, is in a, a really negative game script all as nine point underdogs against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is going to slow it down a lot. They're going to not be the back and forth bucks that we saw last year. Tom Brady's, I don't want to say manage the game, but he's just going to play slower. Uh, they're going to run the ball a little bit. He's going to throw to his running backs a bit. Arians tried to play Arians ball last week. I, I, I think he's going to learn to adjust to Tom a little bit more. Um, I mean, and, and I know Christian McCaffrey could catch the ball in, in negative game script, but um, I, I mean, I just think that's a bad spot. And then you have someone like Zeke, his touch share is going to be similar to someone like Derek Henry. And we talked about that Atlanta game already. Like you can play Zeke with Dak if you want. We saw, uh, the running backs scored three times against the Falcons last week. The Seahawks running backs did. And and Zeke, uh, we saw him get his, his touchdown work. So, um, I mean, even if, if Dak's throwing
1: touchdowns, some of them might be to Zeke. Wide receiver. Uh, last year it was Michael Thomas. This mm-hmm. year it is Devontae Adams, the yep. wide receiver one.
0: Yeah, so the
1: thing we I just talked
0: about, we usually say – uh, are you paying up for Lamar are you paying up for CMC? Uh, those are kind of their own talking points every week uh, I wanted to get Devonte in This week as a value because he's going to be that CMC that Lamar um, of wide receivers this year he's going to be the Michael Thomas from last year. He's gonna lead the league in targets if he stays healthy, gonna lead the league in catches probably by um an enormous margin. And Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be as efficient as he was last week, but if he's anywhere close to the Aaron Rodgers efficiency that we saw three or four years ago that he hasn't had recently, uh Devontae Adams is, is just going to dominate and it's going to be a discussion of can we get do we want Devonte, or do we want a second expensive running back on FanDuel? You can do all three on DraftKings. It's a little bit trickier, but there's a couple ways to get to all three. And I think I might be jamming full on studs and does this week, jamming Adams with Zeke and Henry. If I can um, 17 targets last week, which is insane. 42% target share 42% of the Packers air yards. He's not going to maintain those exact numbers, but I think this can be like a, a 34, 35 is really high, but like 33, 34% target share season for Devontae Adams. Uh, and the Packers are going up against the Lions this week. Lions started off uh, pretty good. They they, they're, they built a lead. Their defense looked decent. Uh, and then Trubisky, by the end of, end of the day, drops 242 and three on him without an interception. And obviously uh, the Packers and – Aaron Rodgers are much more uh, efficient and and explosive than
1: Trubisky and the Bears. Okay, so the the whole game thing here, the whole (laughs) Cowboys-Falcons game thing here, right? Get someone. So I only have one, I have two questions slash thoughts, opinions on the, uh, Hayden Hurst, first of all. So, you know, we've seen, I think there was data that, Paul probably came out with it years ago. Like tight ends changing teams, it's never. Pass catchers in general. Pass catchers in general, yeah. right? Yeah. So Hurst saw what, maybe five targets last week. Five targets. Five targets. Didn't I? Don't remember him being in, a, in any really scoring opportunity. No red zone targets. Okay. Made a great highlight catch. Okay. Great highlight catch. No red zone targets. So why are we saying that Hurst is going to be in play here? Oh, um, and I'm, that's that's tight end. That's tight end. Are we right. saying that Hurst is in tight or is in play here in cash?
0: And no, no, Good. not at all. Um, because why? My concerns about Hurst going into the season were that, like you said, Paulson has has mentioned that just pass catchers in general switching teams don't always translate and Hurst doesn't even have a track record he's insanely athletic but he was i, I we might have touched on this last week i can't remember but he was a first round draft pick and then lost his potential starting job to a player that was drafted 2 rounds later in Mark Andrews and then wasn't even like number like was splitting snaps sometimes with nick boyle like wasn't even always the number two um tight end in snaps from a game-to-game basis in baltimore and then we saw atlanta when austin hooper went down last year it wasn't necessarily the next tight end up obviously it wasn't someone as athletic as uh hayden hurst but a lot of those targets went to russell gage and then we saw russell gage in week one absorb 12 targets now a lot of those were um while once the Falcons got behind, but I mean, if the Falcons are a shootout team, then that's just going to be a narrative that we're looking at every week. Like if, if they're always going to be pass heavy and always going to be in shootouts, then Gage is going to be a big part of that. And then on top of it, Gurley matched Hurst and target. So if Gurley's active, as long as he's not hurt, he's going to be eating up targets too. So yeah, I mean there it's it's I, I I thought it was kind of asinine to just assume that Hurst was going to absorb Hooper's like 18% target share or whatever, especially with Calvin Ridley as good as he looked like I, I Think him and Julio are so good that they're just gonna have to, like Matt Ryan's not going to be able to ignore them They're going to be that combo of receivers like Odell and Jarvis last year that just a, a quarter of the targets half the targets overall goes to those two guys I um, so Hurst, I'm all in on on him as a way to be unique if you're stacking this game. And again, I'll touch on that in a little bit. But uh I'm not in on him in cash, but I do think that you you want pass catchers in this game, especially on Fandle where you need the upside. I already talked about Zeke, I already talked about Dak, so how you're going to manage the wide receivers in this game is just going to be a function of how comfortable you are playing multiple players um, from one game or one team in cash. Now, listeners, uh, long-time listeners know that I'm generally not averse to stacking in cash because I play exclu- exclusively, not exclusively head-to-heads, but the vast majority of my cash game is head-to-heads. So there's, there's built-in... Um, Upside to, to having some correlation or embracing upside, at least not denying upside in head to heads, because if you have a 90th, 99th percentile score, you get more money. If you're in 50 50s or double ups, you just need to beat the cash line. So I, I get where if you already are on Dak and Zeke and cash and you're playing 50 50s or double ups, you might uh, be a little averse to rostering the Falcons or the Cowboys wide receivers, but. Um, Julio gives you a discount to Devonte Adams if you don't want to pay up for Devonte. Uh, we saw Amari Cooper have a huge target and air yard share last week. He's a little bit more expensive than C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. I, Calvin Ridley's the cheap, probably like the one B in Atlanta now, but you're getting him at at a huge discount compared to Julio. And then you talked about C.D. Lamb and um, and Michael Gallup and. The thing I noted today on Twitter was that C.D. Lamb out-targeted uh, Gallup by one, but Gallup had like 50 more air yards, a massive air yard share. So if it's neck and neck, like, yeah, C.D. Lamb is in a good spot in the slot against Atlanta. And sure, Tyler Lockett had a good game there, but Tyler Lockett has good games against everybody. I don't think you necessarily just say, oh, uh, attack the slot with... Uh, in Atlanta with uh, with your offense because everybody could beat Atlanta. So I want the guy that can can give me, make my week in one play. And I think Gallup's more likely to do that than Lamb, at least right now. And I know that that might not be popular opinion or people just might not realize that when they look at these two guys, but uh, right now Gallup is the guy that I want
1: for upside over CD. That's an amazing take, seriously. like if you do your research, this party research, Take that and go look into it and make your own decision. I think that on DraftKings there's multiple 4K receivers. In yeah, there. we have a we have a nice uh, value slot this yeah, week. Yeah, there's a lot of them. You could probably play two of them and get away with it. Yeah, and uh, now
0: on on DK, like you said, I mean CD is down at 47 and Gallup's up at 56. So yeah. if, if CD lets you get, if you want to jam Devonte, uh, Zeke, and Derrick Henry, and CD gets you there. I completely get it. I mean, the uh, the cash difference is is not negligible. Twelve hundred dollars is a lot on DraftKings. But if you want the guy that's going to make your week on one play, it's going to be Gallup, not Lamb. I think.
1: Hmm. Well, that makes me want him more in Fanduel then. It, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, there it is. Yeah, I'm not messing with him on on DraftKings. Um. So there's a couple of young guys with the Steelers too. I mean, mm-hmm. Juju's like. People are buying back into Juju now. If you jumped off the train, that's fine. Um, And then Claypool actually looked good. He's Mm going to be a keeper. But Deontay Johnson, you know what really? Preseason, you heard Ben talk him up and the beat writers say there's a connection there. Well, he came out. He fumbled the, what was it? The kickoff. He fumbled that. He had a ball hit him in the ass because he didn't turn around. (laughs) And Ben Roethlisberger kept going back to him. And it's just like, Okay, guys, we got a connection here. Deontay Johnson.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, he was a guy that was getting a little too pricey for me um, in in redraft. I I think that one's probably going to come back to bite me a little bit uh, in best ball. But luckily in DFS, we get to take all of the new information and make – Uh, make new decisions and make uh, great decisions, hopefully. Deontay played 86% of the snaps, tied Juju for the most snaps uh, on offense besides, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger played every single snap. Uh, James Washington down at 58% of the snaps. Uh, Clay pulled down at 30%. I I think they're might be a chance that flip-flops at some point, but it looks like Deontay and Juju are solidified as the 1 and 2. Deontay, 10 targets accounted for 34% of the target share, and uh, this is this is one of the, the best value and leverage spots. Not leverage, but best value spots every week when a player goes off that hasn't went off yet. Uh, when on Monday night because salary comes out before that so we we have to take advantage of that spot cuz Johnson even if he doesn't have a huge game this week his salary is going to spike uh 5800 on FanDuel so not insanely cheap 4500 on DraftKings um if you're not playing CD I think uh Deontay's about as close to to a lock button on uh on DraftKings as you can get uh it it runs contrary to what I said last week with Deshaun being cheap wide receiver chalk but here we're talking about a uh, a high volume spot where the reason that it's cheap is just because the salary wasn't able to catch up to him so a little bit of a different situation than with deshaun last week who was one of my few
1: good fades last week so we have tight ends here mm-hmm. and logan thomas was not even on my radar last week so mm-hmm. i'll tell you mm-hmm. i did mm-hmm. i ignored mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. reports uh, that he had a good connection. He really hadn't done anything. And, uh, it was wrong. 4,700 FanDuel, 3,600 DraftKings. I think he only got what, eight targets last week. My God, this yeah. guy had a big day. looks like Haskins likes him. Yeah. Uh, he saw 27% of the target share. That
0: was the third most among tight ends. Eight targets were the second most t- tight ends, uh, behind the next guy that we'll talk about. Uh, this is an offense that, I, I like Steven Sims, um, but he didn't show up last week. If if he was just a flash in the pan uh, over the last month of last season, then they really don't have any other weapons besides Logan Thomas. Um, Antonio Gibson, I guess, can be that third guy out of the backfield, and, and uh, he has skills uh, as a wide receiver. He played both positions, obviously, in college, but uh, we didn't see it l- yet last week. So right now it looks like it's Terry McLaurin and then Logan Thomas. Uh, Washington is probably going to be in a pass-heavy game script as underdogs. It's not necessarily what we love for our tight ends, but Arizona is one of the worst teams against tight ends in the league. People might forget that because Kittle got hurt last week, so San Francisco wasn't able to exploit that weakness. But uh, go back to last year, and Arizona's a defense that got toasted by Titans and I, I don't know that they really did anything to to get better, at least in that respect in twenty twenty.
1: Why are you going Goddard over Ertz? Is it
0: price? Price for sure. Uh he's fifty five hundred on FanDuel, uh five thousand dollars on DraftKings, we compare that to Ertz, where we have Ertz at uh let me check real quick. Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. I think it was sixty
1: one hundred. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. So we
0: have Ertz. At, we have Ertz at fifty six hundred on DraftKings. So he's uh, he's priced up uh, by six hundred dollars there, and then I believe it's sixty three hundred on on FanDuel. So a uh, six seven hundred dollar. Um mm-hmm. difference there. Let me see. Sixty three hundred. Yeah, so an eight hundred dollar discount on Fandle, six hundred dollar discount on DK. Uh both of them are, are viable. Uh it's it's going to be with the guys that we've already talked about, I think it's going to be tough to pay all the way up for the Andrews or or the Kelsey's. Kittle's off the board and, unless we get news. I think even if he plays, you probably if you're gonna pay it for tight end, just play Andrews or Kelsey instead, um, at least in cash and they're fine if you could get to them, but uh, but Goddard's the guy that I want Zach Ertz is fine just uh get a Philly tight end in the short term um Goddard led tight ends and targets last week with nine Zach Ertz was tied uh with uh, the aforementioned Logan Thomas with eight Philly ran two tight end sets at a league high 73 percent on non goal line plays according to sports info solutions last week and and i I think that out of necessity um, and out of out of talent that that carries on this week and and throughout the season. Uh, Rager is going to, it's going to take time for for Rager to get acclimated. Um, I was excited about Rager, but having no preseason, no preseason games, and then missing a bunch of camp with an injury, uh, it's going to take him a few weeks to get going. We know what Deshaun is. I love Deshaun as much as the next guy, but uh, I mean, I think he saw seven targets last week, but he's never going to see ten or eleven targets uh so i mean who else are you going to throw to goddard and and Ertz. um uh miles sanders should be back he's still getting his legs under him but as long as this philadelphia offensive line is is limited or, or getting healthy especially against this ram's really good pass rush uh carson Wentz is gonna have to get rid of the ball as quick as possible and the best most efficient way to do that is to his two tight ends so um goddard uh, another nine target, maybe 10 target a uh, week on the helm.
1: Our defense is real quick. We got the Cardinals who mm-hmm. were coming off a pretty impressive, I, I think f- from DFS purposes, a good job against the yeah. Niners. Yeah. And then uh, tell us about the Steelers who in real life might be the best defense out there. And I have a feeling they're going to be right up at the top here. DFS this year too.
0: Yeah. Cardinals. Uh, they, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell. I actually watched that game uh, in full because, for some reason, the NFL only puts three games on in the afternoon and nine games on in the morning, which I'll never understand. Someone please explain it to me. Uh, It's the dumbest thing. But... uh, got to watch that game very closely because of that and just as good as the Cardinals looked and we predicted that they were one of the teams that could uh, pull off the upset here last week uh the Niners just didn't I mean they were short Kittle they were short Debo um but just didn't exploit some of those weaknesses in the Cardinals uh defense the Cardinals secondary uh Mostert had a good game but it was just on one long play so Garoppolo just kind of didn't look good but Um, So I don't know if the Cardinals defense is necessarily great, but they're cheap, and they're favored by six and a half, and they're in a game that should be pretty fast-paced. We know the Cardinals are are super fast-paced. Washington ran at a really fast pace last week, and and those tend to mean more plays and more passing um, and more opportunity for the Cardinals defense as favorites, opportunity to pin their ear back and just get after Haskins. Haskins was the... uh, had the highest adjusted sack rate, highest overall sack rate in the league last year. And if we looked at the uh, advanced metric on Football Outsiders adjusted sack rate, uh, Washington and uh, Dwayne Haskins had the sixth highest in week one. So doesn't look like a lot changed last year where Arizona was good and it wasn't getting pressure on San Francisco last week. They had the 11th highest pressure rate according to sports info solutions. And then uh, that leads us right into the Steelers at 4,600 on FanDuel and 3,800 on DraftKings. They had the second highest pressure rate in the league last week. Uh, I do I don't think their 55% pressure rate is sustainable. I do think that their second highest in the league pressure rate is extremely sustainable. Uh, they weren't able to turn that into um, a ton of fantasy points, but uh, those kind of pressures and that kind of heavy pressure, those are the things that, that turn into monster defense games. They're favored by six and a half um, against Denver. So. I mean Locke looked decent getting away from pressure last week. Drew Locke did, but uh,
1: I think the Steelers are really gonna give him fits this week. Do you wanna know why there's only three, maybe four games in the in the afternoon slot? I mean I, I think I know economically why, but please
0: yeah. tell me. I mean that's yeah. it. It's just yeah. It's the it's, ratings. CBS right, right. and Fox yeah. want the yeah.
1: want the viewers and I get it, but it's it. the
0: NFL. Everybody's gonna watch every
1: game. Yeah, that window is like the give me, secret window. Give me four games in the afternoon instead of three. You know what I want? I think we say this every year. I want two Monday night games. It's time. Like, well, why are we not having two Monday night games? What's wrong with that? Uh, I, I've mean, got, I got nine games I've, early. Do I need nine games for the early slate?
0: I'd, I'd rather have two Monday night games than a Thursday night game or any Saturday
1: games. I'll take it all. I every day. <laughs> I need football. to breathe. I need to breathe. I do not need to breathe. This is, <laughs> this is the best thing ever in the world. All right, let's go over to our theory segment here. It's about early season DFS trends and mm-hmm. being contrarian, which is the yep. opposite of uh, being in group things. So TJ, first of all, can you explain a little bit about what you're going to talk about? And then once you have, what are some of the trends you're noticing right now?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, pretty straightforward this week. Uh, just, we always talk about in gpps that that you have to be contrarian um but we also talk about like being smartly contrarian we've done full podcasts on it we've done full theory segments um on how to make your lineup contrarian but uh early in the season you it i think it's beneficial to be extra contrarian and the reason is pretty simple. We have less information. So the data points that we have are less reliable, but a huge uh, majority of people playing DFS are, are relying on data points the same way in week one and two as they are in week 10. And it's just not as, I mean, football's already an insanely high variance game. So when we have unreliable information, why wouldn't we go against the grain? Um, and go against what people are thinking. So the reason that this came up is because every week I do a segment on 4 for 4 called TJ's Takes where I just review the Sunday Million and I review the DraftKings Millionaire um, and last week, uh, starting with the, the DraftKings millionaire, uh, the average ownership of the winning lineup was uh, 9.8%. So if you just take the, the ownership of all the players, average it, that's what you get. And they had six players uh, that were in under 10% of lineups. Uh, now, this was a $5 millionaire, so the field was massive, um, but... I so I I, kind of took it with a grain of salt because it was a huge field compared to the usually usual $20 millionaire. Obviously you need to multiply the field by four to get to that prize pool. Um, but I went back and looked at our trends last year that we talked about in the preseason podcast, 2019, both on, on FanDuel and DraftKings, the major tournaments, we saw an average winning ownership of about 13%. Uh, like I said, we saw sub 10% this week in the Millie, uh, There were only four lineups uh, last year. that I'm sorry, three that were under average 10% ownership all year. We saw one um, this year. And of those lineups, on average, only four players that were under 10%. uh, We saw six in the winter this year. So going back and looking at those three lineups that had average ownership under 10%, uh, two came in the first month of the season – Two lineups with average ownership under 10%. And three of the four lineups that won the millionaire with the lowest average ownership came in the first month of the season. On FanDuel, we saw two uh, lineups with sub 10% overall ownership uh, in the first month in the Sunday million. So basically, early in the season is when we're seeing the most contrarian lineups win tournaments. And
1: it's logical, right? Mm hmm. Very logical. It's so all you're using is logic on this show, and that's what we like. <laughs> yeah. So, where do you want to go next, here, buddy? What's uh, what else are we noticing? Well, if we if we know that
0: uh, early in the season, it makes sense to be more contrarian because we have less data points. Then the the natural question for, well, the natural inclination is going to be, well, then I'll just get a bunch of low-end players. But we know from this podcast or from four for four studies that. That isn't the right way to think about it. So the next question is like, well, how can I be contrarian early in the season if all of this data is is not as accurate as usual? Like, what can I do to to be contrarian? And there are some strategies that I think are um, are are pretty reliable and that are going to get you there without just randomly throwing darts at, at, at nine um, low-owned players. So the first thing that when, when we're talking about ownership and being contrarian and projected ownership numbers, which really we, we need to be thinking about as projected ownership numbers, because obviously we don't know what ownership's going to be until the um, until lineups come out. So we do some, I, I, we've tracked our ownership against other sites and, and uh, other people have independently tracked our projected ownership against other sites. And we usually come out uh, at the top in terms of how accurate our ownership projections are. And that's, that's just because we take the time to, to make sure that um, everything works out mathematically. And uh, I think we have a pretty good sense of how ownership trends work in these large field tournaments. So when you're building your lineups... You want to be focusing on your cumulative ownership, um, not necessarily the number of low-owned plays. And what that means is, if uh, I mean, guys we talked about um, last week or guys we talked about today, these high-owned running backs, these popular players like Devontae, uh, these popular quarterbacks—no, <clears throat> not quarterbacks so much, but the high-owned position guys—they're going to come in at at twenty. ownership. We don't have to fade those guys to be contrarian. What we're looking at is looking at our projected ownership and saying, is the average number at a relatively low number? If you have, if you build a tournament lineup And you pull four for four's ownership projections and match them up to your lineup, and your average ownership is like 17 or 18%, you're probably gonna have a pretty tough time winning that tournament. If your average ownership is down in the 10 to 12% range, now we're starting to see something that can outpace a field of 100,000, 200,000. Uh, people and then early in the season we probably want to see that number closer to 10 maybe Maybe in the single digits closer than we do uh, to 12 or 13 so The the obvious way to do that is look for one-off contrarian plays just guys that are going to be low-owned But like how, how do we find those low-owned guys? So one thing to do is is looking for um, Off-the-radar games We we've talked about on this podcast before that uh there is value in targeting all season long there's value in targeting not the games with the highest projected total or or games teams with the highest implied totals but that second tier of teams um the the teams with the highest implied total the biggest favorites the games with the highest over/unders, those are in general going to draw the highest ownership by a pretty wide margin if you go to that second tier so you have a Three teams projected for 27 to 29 points If you go to that range where teams are projected for like 25 or 26 points That's where the value is going to be um, just finding those offenses that are that are set to blow up uh, and Then Taking it to the other side of, of the coin if you do want to target those games like the Dallas and the Falcons that we talked about today um, Look for that's where we can find these like single-digit own players like is there going to be a Russell gauge in the Falcons that is highly involved, but is going to draw 5% ownership. Everybody's on Julio. Everybody's on Calvin. Everyone's on the Dallas receivers. Uh, that's Russell gauge. That's how you make that stack um, uh, unique. And then building a unique lineup. Where are people spending their salary? Who are people putting on their flex? What are people doing with correlation outside of our traditional quarterback wide receiver stack? So, for example like salary are people paying up at quarterback like across the board is the spot where a whole bunch of quarterbacks are in smash spots consider paying down at that spot same thing across any other position are people paying up at one position heavily pay down at that position and vice versa Um, On FanDuel, flex diversity. On DraftKings, it's going to be pretty much 50-50. You want some exposure to running backs. You want some exposure to wide receivers. On FanDuel, everybody's using running backs in the flex. Use wide receiver in the flex once in a while. It won five times last year, the week one winner in FanDuel. uh, On the Sunday Million, Uh, they used a wide receiver on the flex. And then extra correlation. We talked about this last week uh, in our... um, in our intro pod or, or the week before in the preseason pod, but uh, doing just a quarterback wide right receiver stack isn't getting the job done anymore. You need to add a second game to look for a running back and opposing wide right receiver, a running back and opposing tight end, a, a running back into a defense, something like that. And then um, leverage and pivot, pivot plays. These are these are some of my favorite ways to be contrarian. Leverage plays is essentially finding a game where everybody is on the game, but they're on the game uh, on in one way or on one side of it the way we leverage that is being on the other side of it So if everybody's on a passing game a nice leverage play is to target the running back in that offense um, and then a pivot play is Generally speaking just like a perfect price pivot is what we're talking about so sometime and this is usually applies to um, high price guys high price studs because studs can go off at, at any time so if you have a uh, one I, I talked about last week that was perfect. It, it didn't work out, but I think the process was well and was Josh Jacobs and Alvin Kamara. Josh Jacobs and Alvin Kamara were basically the same exact price. Josh Jacobs was going to draw like 30 to 40% ownership. Alvin Kamara was going to be in the teens. Josh Jacobs went off. I still had Josh Jacobs in a vast majority of my lineups, but I sprinkle in some Alvin Kamara because they're exactly the same price and you're going to have lineups that are going to look almost identical to someone else's with Josh Jacobs, but you're going to have Camara uh, instead uh, and I think that process is one that's going to
1: get you there a lot of times as well How much of a sweat was it on that Camara overturn touchdown like that was the <laughs> yeah. DFS play of the week. Well, you had to have uh, eight other good players in your Camara lineup
0: and I didn't but uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But 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 the, the 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 logic of that play I think I think works out like it just makes sense to have pivot off of studs and and I mean running backs we, we usually project pretty confidently so it might be a play that you want to use more with wide right receivers but um, I mean like I said like I used Jacobs a ton last week he he saved my week in, in some spots where I was uh, I, I was off but uh, but like using Kamara I think is a, a really good play if he's going to be under owned like we know he has three touchdown upside no matter who his, his opponent is so when he comes in low owned and somebody the same price as him is great super popular like it seems like it's it's an obvious way to be unique
1: well i think you kind of bring it up this week i think it's with wide receiver yeah because adams is getting 41 percent target share and he's yeah. the best and then hopkins just got 44 percent target share and i think they're going to say oh but it's Devonte adams for sure. Now it is so, really tough to fade Adams, though. I think you got to have them both in your lineup, man. Right, but but the point is, like, if you're,
0: it it, it really depends on what your approach to GPP is, though, mm-hmm. because if you're playing, even if you're playing twenty lineups, like that's not a lot of lineups. Even if you're playing ten lineups, you can't have Devontae in all ten. No, you you just can't do it. Like you can you can make the argument for a running back in a good spot in all ten, but wide receiver is just so volatile. Like Devonte could see fourteen targets, and if you're on if you're on Fanduel, Devontae gets fourteen targets. He goes for a hundred on ten catches. I mean, that's still only fifteen points. He's not winning you a tournament with that if he doesn't get in the end zone. It's hard to predict who's going to get in the end zone. So that's why. I like to price pivot on studs I, price pivot off like value plays is sketchy because people are value plays for a reason um, Whereas other players at their price point you generally aren't going to be good plays I'm talking about affordable plays, but Players that are priced up are priced up because they're good at football and they go bonkers against <laughs> good defenses so I want Julio in random spots. I want nuke in random spots. I want Travis Kelsey in spots that look bad when Mark Andrews is the most popular tight end on the slate. Um, it's just, it's it's embracing the variance of football. That's how you win tournaments.
1: I got one more question for you. Yeah. What's your take on Corey Davis after no. this? Thank you. Okay, no. that's all we need. <laughs> no, do. that's Don't even take. go into it. Don't even go into it. No. I kept. I heard a couple of guys <laughs> today said, oh, they, oh he's getting that's the same as take. AJ Brown. Thank you. I was if about AJ to Brown catches a yeah.
0: touchdown last week, yeah. no one's talking about it. I think he got overthrown or something like that. Seven targets scor- each. That was it. That's if funny. if if AJ scores last week, everyone's like, yeah. I'm the smartest person ever for taking AJ. Yeah. AJ's gonna ball. Derek Henry, that's gonna be a super concentrated offense. If there's an if there's uh, number two uh, that I want in that offense is probably John who even though a lot of tight ends play last week, I think John still separates himself. Yeah.
1: He's very talented player, isn't he? Yeah. All right, man. What do we got going on? Say goodbye. To... I'll say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. TJ, take us out. Uh, yeah, if you guys um,
0: haven't yet signed up for uh, 4 for 4, uh, make sure you use the code DFS MVP. It's gonna get you twenty-five percent off the DFS sub. Uh, if you want to talk to us more, you could sign up for that sub and you could uh, get a hold of me in Discord when I'm not uh, when I have time to be on Discord or you can follow us on Twitter. Find me at TJ Hernandez, you got Holden at Holden Radio, of course, four for four at four for four football. We'll catch you guys in week three. I don't even know what I would do. They ain't look at me the same I would probably die with all the shame You did what with who? What well, good is a menage a when you have a soulmate? You risk that for blue?
1: If I wasn't a superhero on your face My heart breaks for the day, I have to explain my mistakes And the mask goes away And Santa Claus is fake And you go online and see For blues too, the tooth fairy didn't pay